You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 98, mirroring 100 episodes of the Talking Chop podcast, and uh, joining me this week as, um, maybe not usual, but as often, Eric Cole. What's up, Eric? Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm living the dream out here. Uh, you've been the busy one recently, as we'll talk about on this podcast. Um, I've been a little busy, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the headliner of this of this show. Uh, this week was the unveiling of the uh, Talking Chop preseason prospect list. So that will be a topic of conversation, of course. Uh, not a ton going on news-wise. Of course, there's the Christian Yelich buzz. Um, but aside from that, kind of just going to go for the mailbag a little bit. And I wanted to start with the podcast, with the podcast rankings, uh, the player prospect rankings, because I uh, can't speak. Um, anyway. I mean, it's not that far off. I mean, it's a lot of the road to Atlanta guys, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly true. I guess podcast and prospect are, like, somewhat similar words, too. In this particular so, case, yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, well, without giving the entire thing away, because that's certainly something that we don't want to do, I would encourage everyone at the top of this thing to go and uh, go and read all of the installments uh, five at a time. So there are uh, six posts, is that correct? Yep. It's a top 30 list, so I'm, you know, my math is probably good on that one. Um, and uh, they're all out there now, so please go check those out. Um, it's something that I definitely uh, make a priority to read as soon as they go up, or even sometimes before they go up. If there's, if I see them scheduled, I can. Uh, I have the privilege of peeking in the back end and just kind of get a little, getting a little preview there. And uh, that's huge, huge for me because I'll be the first to say on this podcast, as I always do, that uh, I'm not the biggest prospect guy in the world. So that uh, they, they often inform me quite a bit. So I really appreciate your work first and foremost. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a weird list to make this year because this is the first list since I've been at Talking Chop that Ozzy Albies wasn't in the one or two position, uh, and he's just not on the list at all because he's graduated. Uh, a lot of guys have graduated, and then we also lost some guys due to the penalties on the Braves. So it was a lot of seeing where guys settled because of those graduations plus uh, those guys getting removed. It was interesting. There was a lot more variance in rankings this time. Uh, so, you know, in terms of tiers, the tiers were almost bigger because you'd have wide ranges in terms of where players were being ranked. So it was, uh, it wasn't contentious at all. It was just more, it was much different than it typically is because it was kind of, we're still in the process of kind of settling on where guys are, especially when you account for all the changes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't even, uh, I do not envy, I do not envy, envy you guys at all in terms of having to put this list together because of all those factors. And just in general, this is a tough thing to do. I think people, uh, May not understand how difficult that would be. Uh, I guess, I mean, in, even in doing an, your own power ranking uh, of these guys would be difficult. Um, and then you have to compile it together and sort of knock it out as a group when you're talking about more than one person's opinion. I think you guys are probably, you know, close on a lot of guys. But, you know, there's always some discrepancies, and that makes it interesting for you especially to have to compile all this stuff. So, Yeah, what's, 
What's nice about the guys, and I, shout out to Rob Vidak, Garrett Spain, and Matt Powers. They, first of all, they are just once it's list time, and we you know we say okay, this is when we're going to be releasing it. And this is when we need to be working on it. They always get their list in, and then once I I just do a composite of all of our lists. We we all understand that what the finished product is going to be is not what our personal list is, and we're perfectly fine with that because. We, we all kind of view things differently. We all value guys a little differently. Um, and we all have, uh, to, to some degree, varying f- degrees of familiarity with players. So it all sorts of, it all sort of, er- you know, averages itself out. And none of us have any problems with being wrong or have any problems with kind of, hey, you know, this, this, this vote here was pretty close, but, you know, th- three of us ranked him significantly higher than one player and kind of dragged his average down. Does, you know? Do we do we adjust him? Do we adjust this player up a up a position? That there, there's never there's never it's never contentious. It's just kind of that that you know hey that makes sense. Let's do that. Or you know resolving ties. Or you know especially towards the bottom of the list where it kind of you know it becomes really close. Some guys aren't even. We, we we try to extend our rankings, our personal rankings, as much as we can to kind of make sure we can account for you know guys at the bottom who may not be included in the top thirty. Uh, and that's tough, but to resolve. And we do our best. But generally, once we once we just have a talk about it, it's it's a again it's a pretty easy thing to resolve. So the guys do a great job. They did a great job again with the write ups uh, as well as the list. So I'm I'm really happy that I get to work with them again this year. Absolutely, and it's a really interesting list again. I recommend going out and checking those out. Uh, I do want to ask you a couple of questions about it. Obviously, um, you know your opinion is your own. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to speak for anybody else besides outside of stuff that you already you know obviously know for other people. But um, a couple of questions for you to sort of get your opinion on some of these guys uh, in general. Uh, what is what was the biggest surprise for you in terms of a, of a player ranking that you saw in the in the finished product that actually kind of took you aback? Not necessarily that, that you disagree with it wholeheartedly. It was one of those things maybe that you came into the process maybe expecting a guy to be a little bit lower that was uh, a little bit higher or or vice versa. Anything actually surprise you on the top thirty? So there's a couple of players that I'm gonna, I'm just going to point out in terms of. There was uh, some in terms of I was surprised that the like it was everyone was closer than I thought we were going to be on a guy, and then one uh, just kind of just some general rankings in particular. Uh, I was a little surprised that William Contreras ended up being as high as he was, uh, making number seventeen. We, but we all kind of really independently liked him. He had a really good year down at Danville. He's a catching prospect. He's the brother of Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. Uh, so there's a pedigree. He shown the ability to hit. There was, you know, some good reports that he's a good, you know, he did well behind the plate as well. So it was kind of a confluence of things we had heard and just independently sort of. And this isn't a guy that we were able to put our eyes on this past spring because he was at Danville. Uh, he wasn't at the GCL when we were when we were down there. And you know, assuming that all goes according to plan, he'll be at Rome, so we'll be able to get a better look at him. But kind of everything that we had heard um, was. Pretty positive. He's you know he, a little bit maybe a little bit older in terms of uh, like an international prospect type, uh, but not like uh, certainly not old. But you know he's not like a 16 or a 17 year old kid. So uh, he's kind of a guy we're we're keeping an eye on. Uh, I felt pretty confident that Jean Carlos Encarnacion was going to be ranked um, ranked in you know more than just like 28th or 29th. Uh, and he's a guy that you're not really seeing on many lists right now. Um, assuming that he you know shows the same things that we saw from him. Uh, I don't anticipate him staying in the 20s very long. He could shoot up a list in a hurry. Again, a little bit of an older of a position uh, of a position prospect in terms of uh, international free agent signing. But we were all kind of on board, and his ranking uh, there were he, he was ranked in the teens by a couple of us. One guy that I was genuinely surprised 
that ended up being ranked where he was, not because of anything bad we heard about him, but because he hadn't been talked about much. And it's not a guy that even we talked about a ton, uh, was Tucker Davidson. And we all had heard a lot of good things about him. And again, it was kind of one of those things where we independently kind of saw what he was able to do transitioning from the beginning of the year from the bullpen, from the bullpen being kind of an almost an afterthought draft pick and being turned into a starter. And that transition resulted in him being one of the best pitchers in the South Atlantic League. Uh, and, you know, if you were to ask, you know, some of those his rotation mates in that Rome rotation, they have nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, same thing for, you know, Braves officials, same thing for scouts. He really did a good job, and I was kind of anticipating he was going to kind of sneak in the back of a, of the of the top 30 because, again, we had mentioned him from time to time. But once once the list was made and I saw that, you know, I, I, had, I had him reasonably high, but I ended up – I think I ended up being like third on him in terms of, you know, how high I was on him. So – it's a little bit surprising that he ended up being as well as he ranked as well as he did. Um, beyond that, in terms of surprises, uh, not not really. I almost thought that Christian Pache was going to end up higher just because he it, his tool set is really exciting. But uh, I was a little bullet. I was a little bearish just in terms of what whether or not the power was ever going to develop and he was going to be anything more than kind of like a contact type hitter. Uh, not because I don't think it can happen, just because. I need to see more proof that it, he's capable of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one, by the way. I, just, I think uh, people are getting very, very excited, which is justified. You know, the tools are awesome, um, but you know, the production's got to be a little bit better for me to like fully, fully buy in on Pache, which is again, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not. Uh, by the way, being a top ten prospect in this system is not exactly a knock, and uh, he is uh, spoiler alert listed in the top ten somewhere. So check that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he he did make the top ten, and. I, I am fine being, and it's one again. It's one of those rankings where I'm fine being wrong about that one. And there were definitely uh, there were guys that were higher on him, and there were guys on lower. He was he actually did get a top five vote uh, from one of us. I will Ooh. not reveal who, yeah. uh, but he also had one one who didn't have him in the top ten. So it's again. I can see both. By the way, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's reasonable. It, <laughs> no, none, none of those things upset me, and none of those things are are you know intrinsically wrong. So I want to. Uh, that's why I'm glad that we do the list the way we do because otherwise, if it was just for, if it was just Garrett and I, or you know, it was just one, one guy just making the list and you know maybe just getting help writing doing the write ups or whatever, it it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right just because there's a lot of things to take into consideration, a lot of ways to evaluate prospects. So in terms of surprises, I I, I thought that Patrick was going to end up higher, uh, but I'm happy with the ranking overall. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, it's. It's nuanced, and people are going to be, uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, with that, with that in mind, I wanted to ask you what um, what the biggest discrepancy was in both directions between where you were personally and where the consensus was, because obviously you're only speaking for one fourth of the voting, but uh, you're always going to disagree with the guys at some point in time. So, where, where did you see the biggest discrepancies, both where you were higher on guys and then where you, when you were lower on guys? Um. There wasn't. We were all kind of. We were all in fairly similar there's tiers. Gotta, there's got to be one. There's always one somewhere. Um, <laughs> I know. Let me think about it. It's probably I, not I, exactly I, like. I, it's I, not I, like you're 15 I, spots I will, different, but you know. Yeah, I, I will say I was the lowest on Ian, Ian Anderson, and I was the highest on Bryce Wilson. I actually had Bryce Wilson ahead of Ian Anderson. Wait, wait, wait. You weren't the highest on Mike Soroka. Uh, you had oh, I, oh, I was the highest on Mike Stroka, okay, but Mike Stroka got a lot of love on her. No, okay. no. Uh, uh, spoilers, I had Mike Stroka as the number two prospect in the system. That is not a uh, surprise at all by me. Uh, but but uh, 
I, I, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to argue no, with I Kyle understand. Wright. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I have a feeling Mike would say the same thing that, you know, I mean, like they're, they're, these are all in terms of the top five, you know, two through five, especially, you know, just shuffle them up. And I, I have no problems if you got, if you prefer position prospects that have shown power potential and like are necessarily are bearish on pitching prospects in general because there's a lot of attrition. But that is that is a point that makes sense. I, will, I don't think it's super crazy that Austin Riley would be ranked the second best prospect in, in, in the second the, the second best prospect in the system either. Uh, but but Allard, Gohara, uh, Soroka, and Wright, those are all really good pitchers. They all have their. I mean, I don't. I mean. Just, just it's just a pick 'em, you know. Like, and that I have no problems with anyone has you know a preference with one guy over the other. I mean, Gohara's already in the majors. Kyle Wright has some has real upside and could move for, through the system in a hurry. Uh, and then you know Soroka and Allard are you have they've been in the system for a couple of years now. It feels like they've been around forever, but reality, I mean, they just turned twenty and they're going to be in all likelihood being in Triple A uh, this year. So there's there's a lot to like about all of them. I have no. You know, the, the, there's a lot of tears with that with, with these prospects, and I have no I have no problems if someone has a particularly strong feeling about where one guy should be ranked over ahead of the other with those guys. Uh, Ronald Acuna is the number one rank, number one prospect in, in in the system. It's not close. Uh, and uh, you know, if if you have anyone else at number one, uh, that 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 is the only time I'll say your rankings are incorrect. I do want I do want yeah, obviously that's uh, it's pretty much the consensus. I do want to follow up on something you dropped in there quickly. I think people will be surprised to hear you say that you have Bryce Wilson ahead of Ian Anderson, if only because I think Ian Anderson, just by the nature of him being a uh, you know a top flight first round pick, um, yeah. is much more famous. So, do uh, you have anything you want to like throw in there? I mean, individually as kind of why you see that? Because I think uh, people are going to hear that they're maybe not be super dialed in as pr- on prospects like more in the general Braves fan sense that might be surprised by that. Obviously, um, th- I don't want to say that I I don't like Ian Anderson. Because his stuff is really, really good, and when he's at his best, he has three plus pitches, and that's that. That is not an easy thing to come by. Uh, I just didn't see the command that I, I wanted to see yet, and you know, an abbreviated stint in low A when you already kind of have an innings cap. If that is your organizational philosophy for prep pitchers, I have no problems with it. But the problem is, is that Ian had a DL stint and then didn't pitch a ton in the second half because of a self-described innings cap, whereas. Bryce Wilson threw 140 innings last year, and he was a prep and he was a, and he was a prep pitching prospect too. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where maybe I'm not sure 100% sure if Ian was completely healthy, or there's just something mechanically that he was working on, or it, there's something else going on. I just need to see more out of him to to justify ranking him higher. Now that said, he could go to high A next year and be you know the best pitcher in the Florida State League next year in the first half i wouldn't be surprised by it and i would i'm i am perfectly willing to adjust my rankings accordingly but just based on the information i have right now i'm not i'm not willing to pull the trigger on you know you know ranking him up there with guys who have more of a track record and have honestly similar upside whereas bryce wilson i mean he's a guy that when he was drafted you know people were saying well he's going to be a reliever because he's not going to have a third pitch uh, et cetera, et cetera. And all the guy did was just get outs and pitch deep into ball games all year for Rome. He was he had a nine he had a nine inning complete game and he was still hitting the mid nineties with his fastball in the ninth inning. And that's a guy who was considered a relief prospect. His changeup got better over and over, over time. His break his breaking ball has that like two planes of movement, which is a generally a, a profile that I like because it kind of makes it a little more unpredictable and harder to it's harder to key on, on key in on for hitters. And Overall, it's just I, I as of this moment in time, I, I like him more uh, as a prospect. But 
again, I don't have any problems at all when, once I get a better look and a better sense of kind of how a guy's doing of adjusting it later on. Yeah, and they're pretty close in the rankings. I just thought it was uh, interesting that at least to mention that since you brought it up quickly. Um, I don't know. We can move on. I think uh, this is an interesting question that we got, a, got from, from a couple of different people, and I actually had it first and thought about it uh, before I was putting together this podcast. But who do you, who would you project to graduate uh, before the end of 2018? Well, I guess before the next list comes out. That's, that's even tougher because uh, for those of you that don't know, this is not a yearly list. It is uh, it is more, it's more than once a year. So um, yeah, we. Yeah, so so we're so before the midseason edition, which will be after the draft, uh, which, oh god, that's gonna be tough. So yeah, exactly. It's it is tough um, to like maybe, I, maybe no I, one, right? <laughs> maybe Acuna well, would be it. Okay, so we can just I can actually work my way through this though. So uh, I do think that Ronald Acuna will graduate. I don't think he's gonna. I'm I still am leaning no towards him starting the year with the club, but I just don't think you do the Matt Kemp trade if your plan is to sign a left fielder or play, you know, you know, play a platoon type thing for a, a long period of time. And he would just, he would only need what 120 at bats. So, uh, I, I project him to, I project him to graduate before the next list. Uh, uh, uh Luis Gohara is going to graduate. Uh, I feel, I feel confident about that one. Um, after that, let's see, Max Freed seems very likely to graduate as well. Um, uh, AJ Minter, uh, it seems like a, a lock to graduate. Yeah, relievers are a little trickier because then we have to get to 50 innings, and you know, pitching one inning time is a little trickier. Uh, but I imagine that combined with what he's he did last year, that he'll get that he'll graduate as well. Um, beyond that, before so before the next list, those would be those would be the guys that I would say right away are going to be guys that graduate. And from there, it, by the next preseason list is a completely different thing because again that comes down to whether or not guys like open. yeah yeah more that's that's when guys like Austin Riley, Mike Soroka, Colby Allard, the guy all the guys that are going to be a Triple A those all are going to be guys that are going to be in play even a guy like a Kyle Wright who if he if he moved super super quickly he could you know he could he could go off the, he could go off the list as well so but those are those are kind of the guys that right now I feel like before the next list will will we'll no longer be on it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, and I just think it's an interesting sort of dilemma to, cause because of when the podcast uh, sort of, when the when the rankings actually come out, it's uh, sort of tough to graduate before they get there, unless that you just kind of project a role and the guys that you mentioned uh, sort of project to have those roles early in the season, which makes a lot which makes a lot of sense. Um, last thing before I let you say anything else you want to say that we haven't covered on the on the prospect list, and that is that. Uh, outside of the top ten guys, is there is there a guy or two you think has the has sort of the highest ceiling? Because I think, you know, people, especially more casual fans, get get a, um, sort of enamored with ceiling because you know it's not sexy to talk about a guy being coming a fourth starter in Major League Baseball. Where, but if if everything comes together, yeah, some of these guys might be a hit. Yeah, ahead. everyone wants. Yeah, everyone wants the dream big. I, I totally get it. Which I, um, I, I totally understand. So, like, is there a guy or two outside of the top ten you think actually has that like you know star upside? Uh, yeah, there's actually there's actually a few of them. Uh, so uh, let's start with your boy Tukey. Uh, Tukey yeah. Desant finished. In, uh, he finished at number eleven in our list. Uh, and again, that's a guy that may, that could range anywhere from where we had him ranked. I mean, he could he could be ranked higher just because his stuff is so good. His his curveball is absolutely filthy. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a car, it's a cartoon pitch is what it is. And you know, combined with a fastball that can reach the upper nineties, you know, it, it's almost like if you feel like just with his stuff alone that he would perform a little better. Uh, when he he did get promoted to Mississippi this year, I do think that it's a little bit tough to project him whether or not he's going to stay in Double A or go to Triple A uh, starting next year. But I have 
he'll be at AAA at some point, and if he figures things out, especially with his command, the, the sky's the limit for him. He, he He's a guy that could end up being a frontline starter uh, that you see gifts being posted on social media of the things that he does to people because his stuff is that good. Uh, another pitcher that I think could end up doing something, but it, it's dependent on a lot, uh, and that's Patrick Weigel because this is a guy that can, it has a fastball that when he's healthy, he could run it up to nearly 100 miles an hour, if not touch it, and then has you know really good breaking stuff and had a changeup that had been really been improving. Uh, a guy that I liked a lot before he ended up having Dami John surgery this past year, his you, and you could kind of see it that his something was wrong. His velocity was down to the, like the low to the mid 90s, which is just not where he lives. Uh, he had got had the, had the injury. So if he he's a guy that we rank kind of in the middle of that that second you know that second eleven through twenty range and I could see him if he comes back and is really strong he's a guy that could make some noise a couple position prospects uh, Drew Waters is a really really toolsy draft pick from the for the Braves this past year he assuming he can figure out how to hit breaking balls and just kind of deal with more advanced pitching and in addition to growing into his body he could do a lot of things really well a potential five two guy the hit tools the most suspect of those tools right now but i expect him to be at rome and he could and he could do a lot of really he could be really just an interesting prospect and could shoot into the top 10 and even higher than that in a hurry and we still really like gene carlos and Carnacion. i i you know again i feel like we're kind of saddling up to you know uh, settling up to a bandwagon in a lot of ways with him but he's the guy that we really like when we saw him in the gcl all he did was hit everywhere he went there's certainly some holes in his game for the moment but I have a feeling that people are going to start having to respect his bat, and he plays a really good third base too. So he's, but those are the guys I'd kind of just call out just amongst the non-top 10 guys. It is a reminder of the depth in the system still, even after the, uh, the sanctions and all that stuff and guys graduating, that there is still some, uh, some real talent outside the top 10. There's a couple of these guys that you mentioned that would be you know, pro- you know, top three prospects in a lot of systems. Yeah, so, the, 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 the days of the Sean Gilmartins in the top 10. Oh, I miss uh, Sean Gilmartin. <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm, uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Uh, we can move off of that, but I do want I do want to encourage everybody to go check out the list. Uh, definitely. Obviously, we just sort of skim the surface here. So if you want to break this down, please check it out. Um, you know, click. Tell your friends. Send your send it to your friends. Find a your 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 Braves fan friends may not be super dialed in on prospects. This is a pretty good inter- introduction, in my opinion, to people that don't necessarily follow the minor leagues terribly closely. So pass it along. That's probably my best advice. Absolutely, read it, please. A lot the guys work very, very hard on it. So, yes, uh, and, and and a lot of people have read it, and we're really appreciative of all that support. It's been it's it's really rewarding when you put that much, kind of that much love and effort into something that people seem to enjoy it. Uh, certainly, don't not everyone agrees with our rankings, but that's kind of that's, half the, the, fun that's of it. the point of it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where no one's gonna really buy. Uh, it'd be the same thing for if you were trying to do a, a listing of, or ranking of the major league roster, uh, no one would agree with what we had to say. So it no. is what it is. Um, all right, let's get off of that and sort of finish up with a couple other things real quickly. Uh, the Christian Yelich stuff will not die, and in fact, it's been resuscitated in the last few days uh, alongside JT Realmuto. Apparently, the Marlins are not done shopping those guys necessarily, and the Braves have been repeatedly linked to them. Uh, nothing terribly serious. There was some reporting that the Braves could be interested in adding both of them. Um, there were even some fake trades mentioned. Uh, where are you at with what this actually could be? Because I think trying to nail down something of a, of a, real, a realistic package is pretty difficult in some ways. I think a lot of Braves fans 
underestimate what, what it will take. And I, I saw at least one fake trade that actually was kind of terrible for the Braves, in my opinion, in which they took back a couple of big-time salaries like Wei and Chen uh, in a deal that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So where, where, where are you at with the yellow stuff right now, like just sort of in general? I don't think that – so when the when the Marlins traded Giancarlo Stanton and, and Ozuna, they were like had a hard and very vested interest in reducing their salary, which means that they kind of had to take the best deal that they could get. In the Stanton case, Stanton had four teams he was willing to be traded for, so he had to, you know, it had to be one of those teams. And with Ozuna, um, the, the the explanation they gave was, you know, just because you know outlets aren't naming some of these guys as top 100 prospects in baseball doesn't mean that we don't have them ranked that highly, and they think really highly of those guys. So, it, in terms of establishing what a price would be and a trade would be that the Marlins would be interested in is very difficult when you consider these are both guys that have a bunch of team control and are really, really good. Um, it, so the, the, I liked the idea of taking money back, like bad contracts back just to decrease the prospect, just to decrease the prospect load it would take. Because if, if, if what Liberty and what the Braves have said is true, like, it's not necessarily going to be a payroll problem, uh, so long as you know deals make sense and things like that. So I liked the I, I didn't necessarily hate the idea anyway of taking on additional payroll with some bad contracts. It's not it's not necessarily taking back additional pay because I'm okay with that. It's taking back two bad contracts. That's where I try to kind of draw the line. And when you're talking about uh, and, it, t- and it, taking again and Prado, because the thing is, it kind of comes comes down to where, how you feel about Martin Prado. And everybody loves Martin Prado, but he's not a good contract. It's just kind of what it is at this point. Wei, Wei and Chen is an awful contract, and we kind of all know that. And he'd be the one that would be tough to take on. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it would certainly help to not, you know, gut your system in, in, pursuit, in pursuit of these guys, but to suddenly have to pay uh, at least, you know, two real salaries. And I, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of Liberty when it comes to anything having to do with payroll. I understand what they've said and what's kind of out there and what sure. kind of makes sense, but... Uh, given the recent track record of that particular conglomerate, I'm not going to buy that it's not going to affect anything, if that makes sense. And I, I know you're not either. It's just one of those things. You have to sort of believe them in some way, but until they actually pay a a, a payroll that's you know top half of the league even, I'm going to be kind of skeptical. Yeah, and I, I think your skepticism is warranted, right? I don't know. Again, in terms of what I would prefer, I would probably prefer to take on the money, but that assumes a world where it doesn't it it doesn't limit you severely down the road. And if it doesn't, so, yeah, then absolutely. I mean, and because because of how little salary is committed in the future, you could certainly sell it to me that it wouldn't because of the fact that it, you know just having those guys, they're not. I mean, they're big salaries. Wayne Chen makes a lot of money, but if he can function as a major league pitcher and be, even be your fifth starter. That sort that contract stops being as bad as it looks. I mean, it's still bad, but it's like not crippling in that same way. Yeah, I mean, and for a guy that's hurt, it's a it it, it the, the the range of outcomes is from he can't pitch anymore, and then you're just literally paying a guy to not play. That's to, tough. For the to 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 he you know, and you know his profile is already a little bit dicey just because he's a fly he's a fly ball pitcher, so you don't necessarily want him running around. Both, a lot of major league parks, including SunTrust. So, um, oddly enough, uh, our newest writer, Sparhawk, he actually posted his first article today, and it was what I think is what would a realistic trade proposal, or at least pretty close to what it would probably take to get these two guys. 
he, he, what he did is he went through the previous trades that have been done with similar players. You know, uh, like there was a like John LaCroix, and then there was the Adam Eaton trade, and then there was like the Marcelo Zuna trade, which kind of gave him some context as to how the Marlins are value, valuing players and who, what kind of guys are trying to take back. What he came up with was for Yelich and Real Muto, it was Sean Newcomb, Kurt Suzuki, Colby Allard, Christian Pache, Ian Anderson, Alex Jackson, Travis Demerit, Akil Morris, or Thomas Burroughs, both of which are kind of like the same sort of value reliever. That's a lot. It really is. I mean, and Kurt Suzuki, and like, I'm not sure how much Marlins want Kurt Suzuki, but you kind of just have to do it to not have three catchers. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that that is not unreal. I mean, it's certainly in the ballpark of when no, when no bad money being switched around and doing that sort of valuing a prospect versus and a players versus the amount of money that they're a team is taking back without any of that stuff. This is generally speaking how the prospects have lined up. And I for, guarantee you Braves fans hearing that are like the, screaming yeah, the, at themselves about how bad that would be quote unquote. Um, I, I just, I think in general, we say this all the time, but I think people just don't understand what the kind of prospect haul it takes to get, you know, Yelich is an elite asset. That's a great contract and a very, very good player, and that's yep. an awesome asset. Like that's going to cost you a ton. And I think people just don't understand that. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, and I mean, Real Muto too. I mean, oh yeah, there, there's same, a, same. He's but, he, he. I mean, he has his warts in terms of you know his framing metrics and things like that aren't particularly great, but he's there's a reason why he's he's sought after. <laughs> it's it's they 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 would both be really really good and they'd be good for the Braves for a while. So if you're going to do that you're not going to get them for one or two good prospects. You're going to have to give up something. And that means that, and this, but this package has one, two, three, three current former, uh, three current top 100 prospects based on who you looked at and a former one. And in addition to some other players who have some high upside. So I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's going to take to get two of these guys that are under team control and have, a track record of success in the major leagues. That's just what it's going to cost. And, you know, so I thought, I thought he did a really good job with that in terms of that's what you should expect the package to be. He's, he wasn't advocating for, sure. but that, that, but generally that's, I, I think he's pretty close to that. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, you, we could probably it's pretty much debate it. And at the end of the day, like, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of uh, consternation about, about the deal until it actually happened. If it actually happened, because you know, it might, you might get a couple scenarios that are out there credibly, but in a deal that big, I think it'll be one that just kind of it'll be out, like it, it, it'll be it'll be agreed to, and then it'll, it'll be out. Um, like it won't be like several different you know iterations. One of those things that we're going to hear about. That's my guess. I think if if the Braves pull this off, it will be a deal that we just kind of hear about, and then it'll be done. Um, which you know it could happen, and it's probably a different conversation altogether with Real Muto as to like how much you want to pay a premium for him because he's a catcher, and there's that whole like there's a little bit more risk there. I mean, there's a, people people that I, I, that I trust and I think are smart that don't want to go get Real Muto because of the fact that you're paying a premium for a guy at a position where catchers are risky, and he's not. I, I like him a lot. He's an, obviously a really good asset currently, but. You're actually okay at catcher right now, especially for 2018 with Flowers and Suzuki, and I mean, there are people that are, have become attached to Flowers, and I sort of I sort of understand why because Flowers has been awesome. Um, you know, with that said, Real Real Mitch is probably a different class considering his age and all that stuff. But there's an argument to just sign Tyler Flowers for a couple more years and give him an extension, and rather than 
um, you know, going out and trading for a catcher. So all that to say, I mean, Yelich, I think we kind of, I'm not saying, maybe not universal, but mostly universal agreement that he'd be a guy that everybody would love to have because he's really good and really young and really cheap, at least compared to what he should be making. But Real Muto gets into a different territory. And that's what makes it so hard to talk about trading for both these guys because it's just not an easy deal to consume, to consummate. Especially, especially when you don't really know. I mean, the the Marlins' valuations of players it appears to be very different from how others do. So it's kind of hard to see what they're really thinking. And also, I think their payroll is right around ninety eight million right now. And I know they want to get under ninety. So I don't necessarily think that they're not interested in trying to shed some payroll. But I don't really know exactly how motivated they are and it's it's it's, it's just it's tricky because that it could it could be any number of things from just taking on to a bunch of bad contracts and then you don't lose nearly as much nearly as much or i mean they they ask for the world they even ask for more than the package that we talked about just a second ago and you know under the assumption that these guys aren't expensive they will make the team relatively you know that the, the team won't be a complete and total dumpster fire and they won't you know have the stadium burned down by the you know 10 or so Marlins fans left down in South Florida. So, Yeah, by the way, they should ask for the moon. Like, if you're going to, tra- if you're the Marlins and your current yeah. setup is the, those guys are your best assets. And if you're going to trade them, you better get a ridiculous haul back for, especially if you're going to trade, trade both those guys. I understand the payroll concerns and all that stuff, but after, after the winter that they've had, if they if they sell you know even at a reasonable rate for those guys they're gonna they're gonna get skewed even more because you know uh, for obvious reasons I mean they have to get a home run deal and if it, you know it's kind of up for, up for debate as to as to whether they actually realize that because they've made a couple deals already that are not looking great and the optics there are not great right now but I think they probably understand with at least with Yelich like his value I think that that was a pretty clear that pretty clearly the reason that they probably balked at trading him already um, they could have certainly moved him already and that I'm sure they've not they've had no sort no shortage of offers including from the Braves for Christian Yelich um, but yeah I mean if you can get him at a reasonable rate man pull the trigger like he's he's an awesome player and Real Muto if, you know if you, have, if you if you quote unquote have to go get both of them there's nothing wrong with that obviously Real Muto is a guy that you want, would like to have in a vacuum it's just you don't, you don't want to necessarily pay if it's me and you're paying market rate for one for if you can do a market rate contract, uh, market market rate trade, I should say for Yelich or a market rate trade for both guys. I would just do Yelich personally. I just I'm a little bit averse to the risk of a catcher, but I'm also okay if they just you know pay what I would what I, what I would be uh, terming as a fair deal for both of them. Yeah, and again, it also depends a little bit with Yelich as to kind of I mean. I'm pretty sure you could figure out a way to get to trade away Nick Markakis, but kind of figuring out exactly what you're going to do with Markakis. I don't care though. Ma- Honestly, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, and yeah, yeah you, I mean, you can't just bury him because you know he's, he's by all accounts a great guy, and they you know they pay yeah, him. he's not a guy that you can bench. He's not going to yeah. love that, obviously. So you you got to do something with him. But I think you know, worst comes to worse, you can you can pay. 10, 10 of his 11 million to some team and just dump him for a C level prospect and that just kind of be the end of it. I think there's, I mean, you might, you're probably eating money there in a big way if you're just, especially if teams know that you're not going to play him and you have to move him. But I think, you know, if, if that's the cost of doing business to go get Christian Yelich for the long term and have your outfield be Yelich and Ciarte and Acuna for a while, that would, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, that, I think that's, Something that's likely to happen, and I certainly do think that Mark Higgins ends up being traded before the end of the season. I do think that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, 
quickly, this is sort of uh, breeze into the Yelich conversation because we got a, a question about this, uh, and it, was, came, it came from uh, James K. and he says, how would you feel about including Dansby Swanson in a Christian Yelich trade? And a follow-up to that um, from, actually came from John McNinch, and he says, having seen Dansby's first season, what is a reasonable war estimate for the remainder of his first six um, years, which is basically his... Uh, you know, his, his controllable amount of time. So basically, it's, this is a lot of uh, how you feel about Dansby, and because if you feel really good about Dansby, then you wouldn't want to trade him. But if you aren't so high in Dansby, you might want to sell while there's still some value there. So where are you at with that whole thing right now? I think he's going to be – I do think he's going to be better than he was last year. Because I agree with that. <laughs> I, that I, I, don't, I don't see him repeating that. He, he was certainly better, you know, kind of the last months of the season. Uh, I wouldn't call him spectacular, but the fielding was better. The, you know, just – Overall performance, other than power, was was better. It's it's tough to really pin down because I mean the guy the guy put up you know a, like almost one war in just a few games to end 2016 and just struggled to do much of anything right for an entire season last well for basically the, especially the first half of last year. So I, I imagine him kind of next year maybe flirting with two war. I do think the fielding's gonna be better, and I think the bats gonna be better. And he does he does a lot of things, especially like base running wise, and just kind of his bat should profile in a way that he should get to two war. Uh, if he doesn't get there, uh, kind of the idea of moving him makes more sense to me because you, right now you don't really want to sell low because you don't really know what you have. And this is a guy that was like a former overall number one overall pick and like a top ten prospect in baseball, and just to kind of give up on him after a, what was a bad rookie year doesn't make a ton of sense to me just in terms of like you know maximizing value if, if, if after next year he's only okay or worse than that then you kind of start maybe looking at different options but after one year I'm, I'm not necessarily sold on the idea of moving him and i think he should be i think he should be pretty good next year i should i will say that yeah i mean it's one of those things where you know if if that's what you have to do to get christian yelich i would honestly trade Daisy swanson i wouldn't um I wouldn't be thrilled with like trading him alongside a lot of other things, if that makes sure. sense. Um, you know, I think, you know, for all of his wars from last year, this is still a very, very valuable prospect, and I think uh, I still value him pretty highly. Um, it does give you a little bit of uh, cover to potentially include him in a trade when you have Bozzy Albies in the system, who I think is you know more valuable at shortstop, all that fun stuff. Um, and again, I think it's important to note because that Yelich is awesome. So it's not like you're trading Desmond Swanson just to trade him. If that's you know if that's the cost of going out and getting Christian Yelich, then okay, that makes that makes some more sense. But I think you you know all things equal, there are guys I'd rather trade than Desmond Swanson in, in, in a deal. And those and I mean and basically just guys that um, are are prospects and are awesome prospects, but I think are just further away and just riskier as a result of that. I will say though, I would rather have. In, in the situation, I would rather have a situation where Dansby's on the team and you don't have Yelich to a certain extent just because I'd rather not have a hole at shortstop versus the outfield because I think a hole in the outfield, even if like even if you feel like you absolutely have to not have Nick Marquez patrolling in the outfield anymore, you can find someone that is good enough to fill that role. I think it's much harder to find someone who can fill in at shortstop reliably. Um, unless you're like a really big believer in Yoan Camargo or something like that, which I'm not. So it's it's kind of one of those things where I I understand what you're saying in terms of from a value perspective. And if the Marlins value Dansby highly, 
you know, that, that it's a different conversation. But then again, I'm not really sure how you solve the problem at shortstop if you wanted to do that. So, well, I mean, for me, you just go, you just go to Ozzy. That's what I would do. Well, I, okay, I, so, I'd be more okay, worried about second. Let's, let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's play musical chairs a little bit. So, let's third base is what it is. You move, you move short Ozzy over to short in, in this scenario. Then what do you do about second base? You well, just you just you just do Camargo or yeah. I mean, in, 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 a, in a 2018 sense, I don't really care. A lot about sure. tw- about that. I mean, yeah, you you, you can play Camargo there. Um, you could try to find a, sco- a stopgap. You know, do whatever you want to do. Honestly, like it's not that I'm uh, overly thrilled with not, with ha- not having Ozzy at second. It's just one of those things where, you know, I think it makes it a little easier to move Dan's this, this, because this, you this have Ozzy. This musical chairs is going to end up with you getting your dream of us trading, trading Ozzy Albies, isn't it? That's what it no, is, right? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's it's completely reasonable at this point in time to think that Al, that Albies has more market value than Swanson. Because, uh, agreed. agreed. Because, you know, we haven't seen him fail. Like, guys guys have great value. Their, their value is always sky high until they fail a little bit, and then it's going to dip. It's just what happens, and Dansby just failed for a full season. I mean, he there were, there were, there were highs and lows, but... Um, that's 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 the argument in favor of trading prospects is that they're often at their absolute highest point of value before they reach the majors. And when they, uh, if, if they had traded Dansby Swanson the day before he reached the majors, or even after that 100 something uh, plate appearance stint in his first year, his his value would have been a lot higher than it is now. And that's because he had. Could you have imagined the rioting? Oh no, it would have been awful. I mean, (laughs) and then and then and then he would have done what he did in 2017 somewhere else, and people would have been like, "Yep, traded the right guy." And then he still would have been probably good. (laughs) It's just one, you know, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast here. Talking about trading prospects, like it's a volatile thing. I mean, there's no exact science here. Like, no, not at all. You could you you could trade Dansby Swanson today, and he could be a four win player in 2018. That would not stun me at all. If he was suddenly awesome next year, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he's going to be this like super duper star. I never thought he was going to be that. But if he was the guy he was um, for two months in his rookie season for a full year, and that's like a three and a half win player, that wouldn't blow me away at all. I, I agree with that. So yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's really volatile, and uh, I'm not arguing in favor of trading him for Christian Yelich. I'm just saying it wouldn't be like I'm hanging up the phone. Like there's no no guy on the roster right now. Sans Acuna, am I hanging up the phone about really any conversation when it comes to Christian Yelich? If you if, if the Marlins called and said we'll give you Christian Yelich for Ozzy Albie straight up, I would do that trade. So that's just me. I, I could be wrong on this. You might disagree with me on that. Um, uh, that it's tough. I'm not saying it's easy because obviously Albie's is. But but my thing is, Yelich has is an established very good major league baseball player on a very cheap contract for a long time. And that is incredibly like basically he's Ender Inciarte. And I, I think Braves fans understand now how good and how valuable that that Inciarte contract is because it's so cheap and he is so good. Yelich is very comparable to that because of the fact that yeah, he's not going to be the best player in baseball, neither is Inciarte, but if you can pencil in a guy for 3-4 wins every year and make and and the guy makes seven figures instead of eight or low eight figures, that's just a huge value. It just is. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, it's a, it's a safety versus I, I, I guess argument. part of my problem is that I feel I I I'm pretty bought in on the Ozzy Albies has power thing at this point because I mean because he he's he's certainly a strong guy and he 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 clocks the ball but I don't know if I've we we I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I mean, Zips has him projected for like three WAR next year at second base. Yep. 
that's that is really tough for me to to trade to trade away, especially given. I wouldn't of love it. I'll say here. that yeah. I would not love it at all. And listen, he's not a guy where you're building a a, a package around him for Christian Yelich. I'm saying you don't hang up the phone if the Marlins say we have to have Albies. You say okay, we'll give you Albies in like one other nothing thing, and basically it becomes a straight up contract, a straight up trade, and that again that would cause a riot in a lot of senses. I would be okay with it. I would defend it, and I would. You know, it's one of those things that wouldn't be fun to pull the trigger on, but I think Yelich is good enough and young enough and cheap enough and controlled enough and safe enough. That's it. I, re- it, I really do like him. I really do. <laughs> it, comes down, it comes down to like how much do you value safety versus ceiling? Because I would certainly argue that I'll be ceiling is higher. Yelich is sure. a lot safer. Like this is the if you, once you've seen the all guy the guy do, does, all the guy does is hit three hundred right and, I mean I mean it's all guys. <laughs> and until I mean again I like Ozzy Albies but I, look 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 back one year and and ask around how people thought about Desby Swanson versus how they do now and I'm not projecting Albies to you know be a replacement level player this year but at some point he's probably going to struggle because the great majority of guys do and you know yeah is his ceiling higher than Yelich's I think it is. But his safety level is a lot lower. Until until you see a guy do it for a couple of years in the majors, that safety's just not there. And that's kind of the thing for any prospect. I mean, Ronald Acuna, for as much as he's ridiculous, there is a possibility that he doesn't hit. I mean, it's it's a very low one. I think we probably all agree at this point. But there's been guys who have been seen on the level of Acuna as prospects that just don't hit. It does. It well, I mean, we, we, we've seen it recently. I mean, Yon Moncada was the right. number one prospect. I mean, and he is really struggled to not strike out every time he comes up to the plate at the major league level. So, you know, I, I agree. It's, I, I would have a tough time with Albies specifically, but at the same I time, I, 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 I get, I get the argument. why. I, and by I the way, I would not trade Ronald Acuna for uh, Christian Yelich. So don't, before anybody asks that question, no, I would not do that. I think Acuna, Twitter, I think Acuna is in a different tier myself. Twitter, Twitter people, you know what to do. BT yeah, roll. Please ask me. Uh, B- BT rolling. Yes, but, um, no, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, here's a, yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to try to play hypothetical on an Acuna trade because it would just, oh, no, the internet. don't do it. Let's don't do that. it. Okay. Let's move along. Um, <laughs> that's probably enough on Yelich for today. Before we get out of here, um, and we're, I'm, I'm going to cut Scott's question, which is unfortunate. We're, I'm going to hold it and ask him later because we've talked okay. a lot. Um, but last one from Shane Denny. And he asked, what do you expect from AJ Minter in 2018? And, it's very interesting. We sort of touched on this a little bit earlier because of the because he's a reliever, but I think people are expecting him to be up and a part of this bullpen. So, what do you think is sort of the expected outcome? Knowing that, of course, bullpen guys are volatile, especially when they've never really pitched this level uh, in, in a big way. So, it's it's sort of a crapshoot. But what do you see from Minter in 2018? Uh, I see him obviously assuming he gets out of spring training healthy. I see him kind of as one of the late inning guys. Whether or not he's the late inning guy. You could call him a closer. I really kind of. I, I would rather just put the best reliever in the most important situations in late innings, but that's just me. Uh, but in terms of like that that role, you know, he, I could very easily see him in the closer role. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be that type of closer that you can just run out there every time until he can demonstrate for a significant period of time that he is completely healthy. Um, one of the reasons he didn't rank higher in our top thirty was because he. Had, obviously he's had Tommy John surgery and then this past year had kind of like a nerve issue in his elbow that kind of prevented him from, you know, really yeah, like kept him out of action for the first part of the season. And then he wasn't, he kind of wasn't used with as much 
regularity as I would like to see a reliever be able to be used. So I think when he pitches, he's great. I love his stuff. I love the fastball. Love the cutter. Love the slider. I love all the. I, I love what he has. But until I can really let's say like this is a guy who could like be among the better relievers in the league, I need to see him consistently do it for a basically for a season, and yeah, and and staying healthy do so. And that's 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 really only the question mark I have for him about him though, because I I, I do really like the stuff, and I'm going to be very happy to be proved wrong if he you know ends up being really really good because he has the stuff to be one of the, like a really good reliever for a long time it's just a question of you know how healthy he can be yeah for sure and you know it's it cannot be overstated just how difficult this is to answer just because you know the bullpen in general has changed a lot but it hasn't changed a lot if that makes i don't know it's oh i mean no and to be fair minter if if there was one player that we got yelled at the most about for these rankings, it was Minter. Um, I can see why. Been, I mean, it's it yeah, was I mean, lower than I thought it was going to be when I saw it personally. So I get that. Well, so relievers are just generally going to be more volatile assets. Yeah. Relievers typically have a, a, a lower impact on team performance, just in terms of a WAR perspective. That the, they and the, this is a reliever, reliever that has injury red flags, which makes the volatility a bigger problem. Um, I and. Th- and his rankings were all over the place. He there, he had rankings in the teens, and he had rankings lower. So it's there's there's no easy answer to the mentor. And I have no problems at all if someone really likes mentor and is willing to rank relievers higher. I totally get it. So if if folks would prefer have prefer on their personal list or in their minds him being ranked higher, I I get it. Uh, I'm just not I'm just not there yet. Even though I really really like him. Yep, I totally understand that, and uh, it's a guy we'll. Being close attention to, and uh, at some point we're going to just preview the bullpen in full, but probably wait till March or so to do that because that's the spot where it gets tough in a hurry. There's a there's a handful of guys who we know are going to be around, barring trade or injury. But uh, aside from that, um, you know, projecting bullpens can be a perilous exercise. Even bullpens that look good on paper, we've seen a few in the in the, in the recent history of the Braves that look good on paper and then suddenly weren't. Um, like last year's bullpen, for instance, like where we thought that was going to be a strength of the team and it ended up being a glaring weakness for most of the yep. season. Um, so that's it gets tough in a hurry, but uh, that's what that's what bullpens do. So, all right, Eric. Well, I'm gonna let you get out of here, man. I kept you way longer than we thought. We were uh, sort of joking before the podcast that we thought this might be a 20 minute episode, and here we are at 45 plus. That's what happens with you and I. You know, sorry, man. I, no, it's I, great. I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, the people will enjoy the content, I think. Um, and frankly, I'm gonna be out of town next weekend, so uh, barring some sort of ridiculous blockbuster, I'm not doing a podcast next week. So. This is going to be uh, one that people can listen to for a while. So I really appreciate it being a little bit longer than we anticipated. No problem, man. Uh, anything you want to get out there? Obviously, this, the prospect list is first and foremost, but anything uh, coming down the pike or that you want to promote? And uh, obviously, people should follow you on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at, on, on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Um, we're, we'll talk a lot about minor league stuff. Any of the any of the Talking Chop minor league guys, you need to give a follow to if you're interested in prospects. Garav's at GVDAC. Garrett's at Braves at Braves MILB. Uh, Matt, pa- Matt Powers is at Matt Powers 31. And then uh, one of our, our new addition, uh, Sparhawk, he's going to be doing some major league stuff too. That's kind of what he worked on today, but he's going to be helping on the minor league side as well. And he's at AA Houston uh, with no first O. So it's just then you can follow him on there. Uh, and the, they're, they're great. They're great follows. In terms of stuff coming down the pipeline, nothing in particular at this moment. We're still kind of, we're still kind of recovering from putting out the list. But you know, once spring training starts coming around, we're going to start planning. You know, where we're going to be visiting first. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be making an early trip to Rome. 
I'm sure we'll be at Gwinnett, uh, especially if Ronald Acuna is going to be starting the year there, just to kind of just get more just get more looks at some of these guys. And then with Rome specifically, there's a lot of guys that we haven't had our eyes on that we want to get our eyes on too. So that's kind of what's going to be happening early going season-wise for us. Uh, also, the, the, we're, we're kind of floating around this idea of maybe doing some sort of talking chop slash road to, and, and or road to Atlanta meetup at SunTrust uh, early on in the season next year. Uh, I'm going to do my absolute best to try to get Brad Roland to show up. Uh, maybe uh, well, if that maybe. happens, I'll be there. I mean, I was going to say, I, l- let your boy know when you're going to be at Gwinnett because I live ten days from there. So uh, uh, you, you don't live far from Garrett, then. But uh, no, I mean, so yeah, it's one of those things where I will, if there is talking shop night uh, at either at either park, I, I will be in attendance. You, you you will not have to beg me at all to come out of hiding. You, I'll even I'll even like leave the basketball beat for a night to do that for you. Uh, yeah, no, it's something we. It's something that I, I want to do. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at the amount of interest uh, that, that was garnered by doing such a thing. So that's something that that's something that we're, that may be coming early on in the season. But that, again, that won't be until actually the season starts. So for the moment, anyway, you know, no, no, nothing, no features that are set in stone. But that doesn't mean you know the guys won't come up with something they want to write about. They're really good about just saying, "Hey, I want to write this," and I just let them do their thing. They say smart things and. You know, it ends up being great. For sure. Uh, let, let, let the prospect guys cook always. And uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate your uh, willingness to jump on the podcast and talk about all things. And hopefully uh, we'll have something to talk about next time we talk. Because, uh, again, I'm, I'm planning to take the week off. But, uh, listen, if Christian Yelich gets traded to the Braves on, like, Wednesday, we'll have a podcast. That's what happens. So I, I, I eagerly await the last-minute text. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll be begging <laughs> anyone and everyone to come on. Uh, it's always funny though um, when something happens. I usually get like five people to want to tell me they want to come on that normally wouldn't want to come on. It's always funny to me. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, hey, if you need anybody this week, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I need, I need somebody. <laughs> but uh, it's always no, it's it's fun. I mean, I, I totally understand. And listen, uh, I don't write as much as I used to about the Braves, and part of that is because I'm busy, and part of it is just because. It's tough to write about stuff in, in the offseason, but I think we do a great job on the site as a whole, and uh, I value everybody's uh, work as a result. So, with, with, In that vein, I do want to echo something that Carlos Colazzo said about you very recently. Oh, Carlos. There is, not, there is not a man that works harder, end of sentence, than Brad Rowland. In addition to a J-job, I don't, how many sites do you write for now? Like four or five? Um, um, full-time, cover- four, and then occasionally freelance so yeah four so we'll so four sites four sites plus random freelancing for places and he has a day job i do not know when this man sleeps so give give brad some love you know give him a follow if you're a fan of just about any sport he has written words about it somewhere uh, it doesn't really matter what sport it is i'm sure he's got like a rugby article in the archives hiding around somewhere i probably so, do have uh, yeah some some rugby or I don't really do soccer or rugby, but I, I used to do some stuff for sportsillustrated.com where I would do like really, really easy like scoreboard things, and I think I've, I've probably touched those sports at some point. See? There you go. That's probably fair. Uh, but, so give, give, give Brad a follow on Twitter. If for no other reason that you get to troll him relentlessly, he really enjoys it. So definitely do that. Yeah, follow Eric, follow Eric Sleed. You're, you're too kind, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah. Please follow the site. Follow the site instead of me at, at Talking Chop uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, and of course TalkingChop.com. Uh, that's where it's pretty much all you ever need for Braves coverage. So just bookmark it, um, favorite, place it, all that you know, all the old school things that you people, people actually did when they actually used the internet for things beyond social media. And uh, yeah, just follow us, check us out, and uh, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised if you're not already following the site because we do a really good job. If you ask me, and most of that's not done by me, so I can say that. <laughs> <what it> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> there you, you know. go. 
Uh, all right, well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be back probably in two weeks. But if nothing else, we'll be back if there's an emergency. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.